Welcome to another podcast of stories and innovations in ALS with Lisa Deegan and I'm McFinn LeVere from everythingals.org. Welcome everyone to Stories and Innovations in ALS, episode number four, Celebrating My Dad. My name is Lisa Deegan and I'm joined today with McFinn LeVere. We're here today because we were both affected by ALS and we're part of an organization called everythingals.org. And the mission is to leverage technology for biomarker discovery with the goal of a quicker diagnosis and more accurate prognosis of ALS. We're joined today by our guest, Sarah Diaz, who is also part of the Everything ALS team. And her family was affected by ALS when her father was diagnosed with it. So we are here to bring stories and memories to life for those who have been touched by ALS. So um, anyone who doesn't know exactly what ALS is, it's a progressive motor neuron disease, causes loss of control of muscle control, and eventually it leads to you not being able to breathe. So on average, people live two to five years and there's no cure. And 90% of all ALS cases, um, the cause is unknown. So uh, with that, we're excited to dig into ask some questions to Sarah to hear more about her journey. So Sarah, please uh, welcome. And Thanks. please tell us how ALS first entered your life. Well, first, I want to say thank you to you both. This is so exciting. I'm so honored to be here, especially part of the Everything ALS team. So um, I appreciate you inviting me on the call. Um, ALS whew, started for us in, or at least for me, in the summer of 2015. Um, my first memory is my, I lived in Virginia and my parents lived in Philly. And my dad came down to visit and I am a professional ballet dancer. And that's kind of my, what I call people, my home. Whenever anything goes funky, I run to ballet because that's just what I do and always have done. And I spent the weekend with my dad and on Monday morning, I go to ballet and I said, guys, my dad's winking a lot. <laughs> and I just remember it being this like, like closed eye, right side only, just wink all the time. And, you know, you don't think much of it. And we just kind of brushed it off and laughed. And I said, hope it's not at anybody awkward and moved on. And that was in June. Um, by the end of July, I went to visit my parents and I came back and once again, went to ballet and said, guys, my dad's tongue sounds way too big for his mouth. Hmm. blurring his words and that's how it sounded to my ear is that it was it wasn't like a you know people always say you're slurring your words have you had a little fun that day but that's not how it was sounded it just sounded like it was too small of a space for the words hmm. and um I just was kind of said something to my mom and she said yeah we've noticed it too and he's gonna he's been to the doctor I said, okay. I said, well, what did they say? They said, well, they sent him for speech therapy. And I said, well, what about the eye? And they said, well, they just thought it was like a droopy eyelid. You know, it is what it is. Well, was the eyelid droop drooping? So it would droop and it would look like he'd wink and then he'd be able to like kind of open it back up a little again. Okay. And it was 
pretty constant. And by the time that the speech started, both eyes were doing it. Mm. Um, and I was like, okay. So I remember just being like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm also a nurse. I worked as a neuro nurse at the time. So neurology and neurosurgery were, um, my thing. We also did trauma surgery. So kind of all three, but I was like, this just doesn't, it just doesn't fit right. But if that's what they say that it is and some speech therapy is going to cover it. Okay. Well, that didn't last very long. And then the slurring got worse and it was people now at work were starting to question him hmm. and say, Hey, like, have you had something to drink? It's the middle of the work day. And so they went back to the doctor um, and in, that was in October, um, by December, he pretty much had lost a lot of his speech. Um, you could understand him if you were around a lot, but it wasn't very legible to other people. Um, we had gotten him voice boxes, all things that the speech therapist just said, oh, okay, talk to text. Like, but we still didn't have a diagnosis. And so... They said in October, well, maybe it's myasthenia gravis. And I had worked with a lot of myasthenia gravis patients and I was like, okay, cool. There that you can take a medicine and it goes away and it's fine. So it's, it's fine. This is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Well, two weeks into him taking that medicine, nothing really changed. And I kind of knew. I you knew ALS. You, I Googled it. I Googled ALS. I said, that's what it is. I know it's what it is. I'm not going to tell my family. That's not for me to put out there. That's I'm a daughter. I'm no, that's, I'm not making it real, but I have a pretty good inkling suspicion. That's what it is. Isn't there anything else that, that would have mimicked that, that since you're in the medical facility to, to come up with ALS like that, any um, other well, hope? He had gotten, you know, he had done the blood test for limes. He had done the, we had gone through that gamut with the primary care physician and with the first neurologist. And my, she was so determined that it was myasthenia. And when that just didn't pan out, I was like, nope, this is what I, I, I just knew. I just knew in my okay. gut that that's what it was. And mm. I still remember like, vivid memory the very first time I googled it mm -hmm. I'll never forget I don't remember a thing it said but the very first website I clicked on was the grim reaper that was the very top of it and I just cried Aww. and I knew I was like this is this is what we do. we're doing this is our life now so I didn't really say anything to my mom um they were doing the doctors and the checks and the emgs and the gamut of things that you do. And in April, so now that was almost. 2015, almost a year. I was at work. Um, I worked night shift at the time and I told my staff, um, cause I worked leadership guys. If my mom calls the unit, I need to answer the phone. So please, 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 please come get me. Mm -hmm. And about 10 o'clock she calls and she said, Sarah, I have something to tell you. Ugh. Your dad was diagnosed with ALS this afternoon. And I lost it. So appropriate at work, but 
nothing more I could do. Um, but you weren't surprised. No. But, but it was real now. Yes. Somebody else put it on the table. It wasn't my gut. It was somebody else said it out loud. Because I think that that's how what I was preventing. I didn't want to have to say it out loud. And how long did sure. you carry the burden, though, of knowing that this is ALS, but I'm not, that's not my job to tell my family? How long did you walk around with that? That's a lot to carry. I Googled it in November. Oh. I knew in November. He got diagnosed in April. Oh, that's a lot. Well, I'm, um, I'm an oldest sibling. I have two younger siblings. My brother was, had just turned 16. My sister was 18. I was much older and that's what you do. My parents are in crisis. I have two younger siblings. You protect them. If I said it out loud, I made it real. So this was me doing the only thing that I knew how to do in terms of helping my family. And that was, which hindsight we all know wasn't, I know that now wasn't helpful, but Mm. at the time. Sarah, the only thing that's helpful is when the family circles the loved one and whatever they do, because it's so intimate when it's your family member, you can read about these things, but when it comes home, it affects the whole family. And my, when my daughter came to me the first time she walked in the door to see me, excuse me, and I was in my wheelchair, it meant so much to me that my daughter was there for me. So thank you. Please excuse me, but I don't feel bad. It. Thank you. I brought tissues, McFinn. I'll be crying oh, okay. here in a second. Okay. Well, thank you for being the daughter you are, because that's that's what gets gets through is the love from your heart. Thank you, dear. Yeah. So <sighs> that was April. And I went home. I took a leave, a temporary leave from my job, um, not long. Um, and went home and we just, honestly, we just kind of grieved and just uh, like, I don't remember really anything concrete from those two weeks. I just remember I have to be home Mm -hmm. and okay. What does this mean? Um, my dad and I got it from him. We're problem solvers by nature. Mm-hmm. I'm a grab the bull by the horns. What do we need to do? What are the next steps? What is the plan? What do we, how do we figure it out? And uh, that was pretty consistently my job kind of through it. But Did you feel hope at this point when you're in your grieving period and your family's just together? Are you feeling like there's hope, there's some treatments, or were you feeling defeated from right out of the gate? Like, where were your minds at that point? I think we felt, well, we took it off my dad and he is just a very celebrate life, be with people kind of a person. And so we're going to do this and we're going to band together and we're going to be a big family and we're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. 
And the planner in me said, well, if we, we take it and we make a plan and we, you know, do all the things, he's gonna be fine. This is, this isn't, this isn't it. We're, we're fine. We're okay. So I went back to Virginia and my parents started going to the clinic and he tried Radicava mm-hmm. for a week because the side effects were too bad. That's what I heard. They, yeah, he couldn't do it. Um, by this time, I would say it was kind of our only, what I remember as being a plateau. Um, he was still declining, but it was like, functionable declining like we you know he could still sort of he could walk enough he could uh yeah it started that was what wasn't started next was the walking so it was Mm -hmm. kind of interesting that he was diagnosed with bulbar als pretty much lost his speech and then it was his legs Mm -hmm. so by the summertime he was using a canes and braces on his legs I remember my parents surprised me. I, again, still lived in Virginia and um, we were having our big summer party. My parents were notorious for their huge summer blowouts. You know, we had everybody and anybody. And so I was going to continue that in Virginia. And I uh, finally had gotten a house and had this big summer party and put lights up and I turn around and there are my parents and they're walking in my backyard and I had no idea that they were coming. Um. And I played cornhole with my dad as he's holding, he has his two braces on and his canes and we're dancing and laughing and he's meeting all of my friends and um, hanging out at my new house. And it was just, it was a blast. It was such a good surprise that they, they came down and he, you know, could still play games and be silly and stuff. Your dad sounds like he was like, um, like I'd want to hang out with your dad. He sounds like, he embraced life and he was fun. Yeah. So he, my dad was, we call, we, his like motto in life was, you'll never meet a stranger. That was like one of the biggest things that we learned and, or were like raised. So mm-hmm. even as kids, like you'd be in the elevator. And by the time we got to whatever floor, we would know every single person in the elevator and he would be <laughs> calling them in a couple of weeks to set something up. And you're like, you know, when you're six and you're just sitting there like, dad, stop talking to these people. Cause you're all embarrassed. But now yeah. I'm like, no, I'm so grateful. We have, we've moved a lot. I, I've moved a lot and I can still go to any of these places and have this family because all these people, once you were brought into his fold, you were family. Mm-hmm. And- Sarah, did you notice that your father is with you? Your Out. father is yeah, your dad is like comes through you so beautifully. It's so nice that you feel that that depth with him still today because it'll never go away. It's, you know, it's it's one of those things that happen and and you can't change it, but you start to understand it and then you don't resist it any longer and then and then I I talk to my parents more now than I ever talked to them. That's so nice to hear, my friend. I love that. I love that so much. Well, it's nice to hear that you can connect with people and just not feel that because they're gone, that's it. They're done. You know, our work that we're doing keeps us connected to our loved ones. That's how I, that's how I feel. 
So I feel like I just get to celebrate him every, and like, Mm -hmm. we're working, my dad worked in pharmaceutical research his, um, Mm. for years. He did, uh, cancer and, um, vaccines and worked on that. He actually worked for CROs. So kind of what we're doing now is right up his alley. And, and, you know, he worked, this is kind of jumping the story, but he worked till the Thursday before he died on a Tuesday. So he was still working. Mm -hmm. Are you serious? Yep. Yep. He was published the month before. Yeah. What God? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it was, he was huge. So, you know, that's, I get my, definitely get my worth e- work ethic from both my parents, but like just the, just constant, you know, something's wrong, go to work, um, from him because he, I mean, he loved this industry and loved what he did and, um, meeting all the people that he did. So this was, I mean, this was just kind of a natural fit. It was like, Oh yeah. Like um, I get to celebrate my dad and kind of hang out in his environment a little bit more. So it's, you know, it's really special. And, uh, well, he gave you a gift. Yeah. He gave you a gift of, of now that you can move and go anywhere and you have a little bit of Dan in you that you'll always be able to connect with people. I love that. So I look at that as, you know, Dan gave you, your dad gave you a big gift. He did more than one. Absolutely. More well, than one. of course. So okay. yeah, no, he rocked it. Um, so that kind and of uh, brings sure us- Is that a picture of your dad? Yeah, this is my dad. And I'll, the, so the thumbs up thing, it's kind of our, the last finger or button movement he had was his thumbs. Mm-hmm. Thumbs and a left middle finger, but I won't show that on camera. <laughs> so he, uh, that's how we always like, it was either thumbs up or thumbs down. That's how we communicated. And, uh, now it's just kind of a thing in our family. Like, all right, we're thumbs up. We're good to go. Or not so much. I remember, um, this is again, kind of jumping the story a little bit, but, uh, we were that Thursday that his last day of work mm-hmm. right before he passed. Um, I was home. I had, um, taken a, and again, another leave and, and was home for the, about the last three months. Um, and he had, he was like, you know, wrote on his little, or with his eyes, Sarah, I want to go to this pharma conference. Mm. Okay. And my mom was working full time to, you know, provide for our family. And so I was my dad's nurse and daughter and food and medicine and everything at that time. And, um, he's like, I want to get in a suit and I want to go to this conference. Okay. So we put on our business clothes and then we had one of those wheelchair vans and his caregiver was in the back and his name was Tom and he could just lift him. And that was the best. I was like, I don't care what you do. You're the lifter. That, that, that is enough for me because I couldn't do it. I'm a solid five, three on a good day. <laughs> like that's, it wasn't going to happen. So we're in our outfits and we're running a little late because it takes you a while. You know, we all know it takes a little longer to get ready. And I'm driving down the road and I'm going probably a little fast. And I just, he's pressing the alarm button on his wheelchair to tell me that he's mad and he's throwing his thumb down and he's whacking (laughs) me with his arm. And I'm like getting frustrated because we're late. And so I look at him and I turn and I said, you're the one that taught me to drive. So if you don't like it, this is on you. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember sitting there like, what is happening right now? (laughs) Like, what are we doing? 
we're going to a pharma conference to present about something. I have no idea. Like this is, but that's, that was my dad. That, and that this was, three days before he passed. So he, that was on a Thursday and he passed Monday night. Did you, did he, did you guys have any signs that he, it was coming to the end or, or was it out of the, not obviously not out of the blue. He had a disease, but um, how, how did that unfold? So that was 2018. So September, 2017, um, we completed our second walk. We did participate in in a walk. Um, and that next weekend he got a feeding tube. Mm -hmm. Um, he was wheelchair bound hundred percent nonverbal. Um, and by January, he was just starting to have a lot of pain and feeding and he's losing so much weight so so much weight um that i knew i I, again i still i still didn't live with my parents i i played the safety role you know i look back and and i can tell you like every you know my mom was she was superwoman she just did everything she worked as an accountant and worked in the middle of the night so that you know she could get her hours in and then come home and take care of him and my siblings were still young. So they, you know, she made sure that they went to school every day and, and, you know, had their sports and Josh was a senior. So whatever seniors in high school do at this time. (laughs) And I was the safety guru. Mm -hmm. So my parents installed a lift to go upstairs because that was our only shower. And I remember watching my mom with her back down the stairs, trying to lift my dad from one shift to the other. And I walk in the house and I said, no, that's it. Mm -hmm. Or the driving, you know, my mom was there every day. My siblings were there every day. He was frustrated that he was losing his independence and it broke my heart. But I knew that by staying outside my parents' home, because my siblings had to live there, I could be that. I could be the overseer, the the big picture, Mm -hmm. the... I could be a nurse when I needed to and a daughter all the time. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was so desperate for that. Mm-hmm. I needed that. That was, if, if I were to watch anybody else go through this process and anytime that I see a family or somebody my age mm-hmm. or even anybody, I, I, I really emphasize and they're like in healthcare, be the daughter, be the family member, be, be mm-hmm. that. And then just dip into your career when it's necessary because- mm-hmm. I, if I turned into a nurse all the time, I would have been a nurse all the time. And I wouldn't (laughs) grieved. I wouldn't have dealt. I would have turned it off to get the job done. And that. It's good advice. It's really good advice. Your, your, your family, you know, your, your mother, God bless your mother for being, and your mother is healthy and fine right now today. Yeah. Good. So to your mother, it's like you have learned to be a mother from your mother, even though you're not a mother per se, but you're a mother to so many people with your attitude, Sarah. It's like people can come to you and say, Sarah, I hurt. Sarah, I have a problem. And so I really appreciate that you would bring to everything ALS. I'm sorry that it had to be your father, but 
what your father gave you that you're passing on to all of us is priceless. Mm -hmm. So to your dad, Dan, Dan, do you see what your daughter's <laughs> doing today? <laughs> we do. Uh, He's so proud of you. He's got to be so like just smiling. Cause you are amazing, Sarah. You're a rock star. I mean, how, how do you take care of yourself? Because you seem to be um, very good at taking care of other people. And I'm, I know you're a dancer and you're like going to school and you're working and you have a lot going on. How do you, how do you feed your soul? You've got, you know, how do you stay so strong? I'm really impressed. I want to, I need some tips. <laughs> um, honestly, it's like, I couldn't do it without ballet. I, and, and, and to say that seems kind of funny, but like that bar is home. It, it really, it, it has every up and down. I mean, I've danced since I was three, every up and down, I go home mm -hmm. and I take an hour to myself and take class and then and the world falls away and then when it comes back okay i can i can manage now i'm good to go i've had my time i've probably you know did what i needed to do and i also think it's a lot from my parents they mm -hmm. my mom is i think i got a lot of that like just go do 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 from mm -hmm. her and her strength and her ability to hold it together, but then to go find her thing, you know, it's, it's not ballet, but she does, she has something similar. And I watched that growing up and I watched how well that had helped her handle situations because she'd step away, she'd get her self-centered and then she'd just go handle it. And you wouldn't watch her break down. I don't remember that a lot as a kid now more. And I think that's probably because she's sharing it because she's an adult, but, and I'm an adult now too, but I think it was just that find your peace and find your center and, and you can handle it, you know? Well, and it goes to show you that keeping balance um, and having those boundaries, because it sounded like that was an escape. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like no, you're escaping. It, it was like, like when I go to the movies, like I am, my mind is blank and I'm like, entertain me. I'm, I don't even know what's going on in life. <laughs> and I love that. So it sounds like ballet and dancing is that for you. It's an escape in a good way. Just yeah. turn everything off and you focus on that. So Absolutely. I didn't know I'm that glad. about you in movies. That's, that's cool. That was, that's cool. Well, I'm, I, comparison there's a lot of things I love to do but I could still be thinking while I'm doing it like I love to paint and you know I could still be thinking when I'm painting the only thing that really turns my brain off is when I'm entertained and I'm not allowed yeah. to wander because yeah. as long as it grabs my attention so that's that's why I use that but yeah no, no that's that's exactly <laughs> it you can't focus or at least at the bar or that sounds like a different kind of bar, B-A-R-R-E, for those who don't do ballet. Um, yeah. You you can't focus on anything else than what's going on and, and figuring out your, and listening to your own body. And so you're kind of just so in tuned. I, I just feel so in tuned with myself in, in class that I can't be in tuned with anything else because I don't have the brain capacity for it. 
So that's so wonderful, Sarah. It's um, I, I noticed you were talking about your mother and the drive that she has. It seems to me that she passed that on to you because can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with everything ALS? Yeah, absolutely. Or so caring uh, ALS. And caring ALS. Uh, so first I have to tell my my story about how I got found everything ALS only because. Oh yeah. Yes. Only do. because it's about ballet too. And I think my dad totally had everything to do with it. So um I got my love of dance from him. Oh my gosh. Dance through life. That's, that was, I still remember us dancing like all, all the time. So many videos, so many videos. Anyway, um, I moved to St. Louis because after my dad passed, um, I decided that I wanted to go back to medical school. Um, and just, I tell people, fix the things that we went through and try, you know, attempt, I guess, more humble. Um, and so I quit my job and I moved to St. Louis where my dad's from. I'm actually living in his house that he grew up in, which has been really special. And I'm living with his mom. She's 85 and hearing stories and learning things that, you know, I would have never known or knew. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I came, I left my home and came to his and he brought me a new company. So I, you know, came to a, find a new ballet company and my executive director of my current ballet company was Indu's husband, Peter's best friend growing up. Oh. oh. And so she overheard me one day telling another company member about my dad. And she's like, I have this lady I want you to meet or want you to talk to. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> I'm sitting in a, it's December and I'm sitting in a parking lot to go Christmas shopping. And I was like, this will be 10 minutes. Like I'll just, you know, answer the phone, say, Hey, how's it going? And hang up and then go Christmas shopping and do what I need to get done. Three hours later, I finally drew up home because <laughs> I was talking to Indu that whole time. Yeah. And, um, that's how I came to find, uh, every, or find and be part of this family. And I, I laugh every day. Cause I'm like, that was totally my dad. Like, he's like, you're going to go to ballet, but then you're going to do something else because of it. So totally, wow. you know, full circle on that. People so find cool. you when they're supposed to. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's not all coincidence, right? No. And oh. Peter lived in the town that I, and grew up in the town that I lived in when I was in Virginia. So his family lives there. Oh, so there's, we are connected. We are connected. It's which I think we've learned. So that was, has been the best part of this whole process. I think from everything ALS for me is really realizing the connections, really realizing that one step away or that, you know, place, because it is so, there is such a community in ALS and, you know, it's a family. It it's is an family, really, which is all my life. Like, you know, find another family, find more people. So yeah, it's just become another, another family, another more people to meet and, and, uh, understand the situation. And I, I think that that's so peaceful and healing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everything ALS has been the most healing thing I could have ever done for what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now let's see, 
my big, I guess my big thing that I work on. Oh, sorry. Well, tell us what you're doing with, um, yeah. Organization. Uh, so my big thing that I've worked on for a while is caring ALS, um, which is supposed to help kind of with the financial burden mm -hmm. of the disease. But I think to me, it's more about the support. I think it builds a community. I really, it's designed to show you who's got your back. And I think in such a disease that can be so isolating and so internalizing mm -hmm. in a myriad of ways for not just the person going through it, but also mm -hmm. families. Um, I think Caring ALS is designed specifically to help combat that in more ways than one. And I think that that's why I'm drawn to it because it, it helps you find your family and I'm all about finding more family. So um, I get to work on the design team and we've come through so many myriads of um, how it works, but really the whole goal is how can we make it the best we can for people currently going through it? What would we have wanted it to look like? What something like this to look like? So that's, that's been really rewarding and, and really kind of right up my alley. Um, I also do kind of, I moderate the webinars, which has been wonderful to learn. I have learned mm -hmm. so much mm -hmm. and there's so much to learn. And I, you know, watch all those webinars again, because I'm like, I, I need, I want to know, I want to understand. I want to. Yeah. So, We're getting information 24 seven, right? I know. And it's stuff that I wish I had. And I, you know, want to remember it and file it so that if somebody asks, I can be like, oh, you know what? This is, this is what you got to go listen to. This is what you got to go hear. Yeah. This is such great information. And having our webinars online to just be able to do that for people is, I think, so rewarding. And so, um, like, we're, I feel like we're fulfilling one of our goals of, of wanting to do what we wish we had, which is have the information in a centralized place that's easy to understand and feels like you're hanging out with your best friends, but still knowing and figuring out what you need to do and what you need to know. And, you know, I, that's been such a, okay, I checked a box. I, I, I we did yeah. a thing, we fulfilled a goal and I couldn't imagine doing anything else really. I, I mean, this is, Although this is you, coming home, it's home. You couldn't imagine doing this several years ago. So this is, this is something that each of us has been, it's been brought into our lives. We, we weren't looking, there you go, Dan. Thank you. Thank you for bringing Sarah into our lives, Dan. And that's, that's the, that's the beauty of the connections that we make because we do have something deep in common. And that's what makes, you know, when you say you have a job you go to, I think we have a joy that we go to. Mm -hmm. That's nice to put McFinn. I don't know. That's, I well, guess, our I, that's the, that's the, you know, I think the more joyous moments and the moments that I like to remember, even, even being whacked and told that I'm a terrible driver. It's, it's the, those are the stuff that I hold on to. It's your story. It's your journey. And we're so thankful that you were able to share that with us. And we all pretty much kept it together and, you know, yeah. if ever feel bad, about crying because you're with your family. So I don't ever want to hear sorry from you that 
or, or you need a minute. We're going to just sit and go through it with you. So then I kind of kept this, this, there's the ones, never mind. No, it's okay. (laughs) I would have lost it too. There was one, one, sorry. Okay. You don't need to share it because the intent that you had in your heart to give it to us is plenty. So Sarah, we have Mm -hmm. these special little treasures that sometimes they're very personal and then sometimes they're for everybody. So thank you so much today. This has been such a, a wonderful opportunity for us to get to know you better, to get your know your father, Dan, better, to know about your mother, how, how much she's passed on to you and your siblings. It's really an honor to be part of a group of people who know deeply what this means. Because when people want to cry, we understand why they want to cry. So Lisa, anything else that you would like to add before I have our closing today? Um, No, I think, I think uh, I have a much better understanding of what Sarah's journey looked like. And I love hearing other people's stories because it's, it's very different from mine. You had different things that happened and, and that's what makes it so great is no, Um, two ALS patients are alike and no two family experiences are alike. It is so different from everyone. So I, I loved hearing your story because it just um, sheds, it sheds light on what other people go through and how, how they experience it. Cause it really was different from mine. So in many ways, so I loved, I loved hearing it. Well, I appreciate you both for, having me today and letting me tell and celebrate him because that's cheers better to, than to celebrate other people i mean what could what could what could be better than to literally celebrate other people so that's cheers right. to, i'm gonna, I'm gonna cheer. thumbs wow. up to dan thumbs, thumbs up to dan, dan. <laughs> thank you dan okay folks we're going to say a few words to try to promote gathering in more people into our family because that's this this is going to take a lot of us because they haven't solved this in a long time but we're here to work on it and to make that solving happen in our lifetime so i'd like to say just a few words to you before we go thanks for joining us in our journey of exploration and digging deep into the souls of those affected by ALS and those working tirelessly to help put an end to this devastating disease. Your stories and your work matter so much to us and to so many. Keep sharing and continuing to help further the research in ALS so we don't have to see another person suffer. Do you know anyone who suffers from ALS? Are you a researcher, neurologist, pharma, or biotech company working in the ALS space? If so, we would love to hear from you. For more information, please visit us at everythingals.org or you can contact us directly, Lisa at everythingals.org, or McFinn 
at everythingals.org. Thank you, folks. It's been another wonderful podcast. Our hearts and our minds and our souls are all in it. And I'm sure you are too. A fine day to you. Bye for now.